It's so good to see everyone tonight, and I enjoy uh, not having to give a sermon every single week, you know? I'm just so thankful I'm not the one that does it every three days, but when I do do it, I enjoy being able to do it and just to share from my heart. And so we've been talking, Pastor Jim's been talking about the word being sown on different um, types of ground. And so if we want to go ahead and look at Mark 4, I'm going to talk a little bit about it um, and how it relates to marriage. And uh, so some of you may be, well, I'm not married, so why did I even come? But <laughs> it's still good whether you're married, whether you're not, whether you're not, it's something that you can use um, in, with, in relation to other people, but if you are wanting to get married, it's something that's good to know ahead of time. Have you ever studied for a test before you took the test? So sometimes it's good to know some things before you get into something. <laughs> All right, so he, or not he was, Mark 4, 13, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Have you ever seen people that were really, really excited to get married and like a year later are divorced? Maybe they didn't even make it past two or three weeks before they got divorced, you know? This is kind of similar to that, you know, persecution, tribulation, they get past the honeymoon stage and all of a sudden it's like, that was scary. Get me out of here. <laughs> you know, so, and then we go on to verse 18. It says, now these are the ones uh, sown on, among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Have you ever seen that in a marriage? You start out and you're really excited about each other and you're focused on each other and then you start working your job and trying to get higher up in the company and then you stay at work later and later and later and then you forget to go out on dates, you forget to do things and the cares of this life begin to choke that marriage and begin, you know, no longer it's easy for people what they term, they fall out of love. And so here we have that in the word saying that that can happen. That can happen in marriage. You can choke out your marriage with riches, going after riches, with desiring other things other than your spouse. You can do those kind of things. It will mess your marriage up and that marriage will become unfruitful. But there is a category of marriage that's amazing and this is what we are striving for and it's this one. But these are the ones sown on good ground who hear the word, accept it and bear fruit, some 30 fold, some 60 and some 100. Wouldn't it be awesome just to be uh, one of those that can say, I'm in the 30, 60, or 100-fold 
that you're enjoying life so much. You know, marriage is one of those things that it can either get better or worse with time. It doesn't usually stay stagnant. It's either going one way or the other, depending on what we do with it. And so today, I just want to encourage, um, again, this is something that, yes, you can do this for your spouse, but you can do it for other people too, but to esteem the word when it comes to your spouse, or you could even just say it like this, to esteem your spouse, not to take them for granted. It is so easy when you are, you know, in that whole time where you are looking for a spouse, all you see is the strengths of that person. You know, they just are, you know, if you're a woman, a knight in shining armor, you know, wow, he can do nothing wrong as you're telling your mom how great he is, you know. He's perfect. And she's like, yeah, 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 just wait a couple months. <laughs> You'll see the other side. <laughs> but when you're looking, it just, you know, you're, you're just like, wow, I have found Mr. Right, and it's so exciting. And, you know, that just like what the word says about seed, you can keep that attitude about your spouse. You can keep that mentality about them if you're focusing, if you're esteeming, if you're value, uh, valuing their strengths. But if you begin to focus, you know, if you marry a person, you don't just marry their strengths. And, and sometimes that's lost on us, you know. We're so excited, and then all of a sudden, we are faced with their weakness. And that weakness is probably our strength. And we are trying to figure out how in the world that can't be their strength, because it's so easy for us. Why isn't it easy for them? And so you can get a little frustrated with them because they don't do it the way you would do it. And you begin to get frustrated with their weaknesses. And all of a sudden, the change of uh, attention goes from how wonderful, how amazing they are to how much of a pain they are. And they, they just don't do anything right. And, uh, and as Christians, we have this ability to be on guard. The Bible says that the devil is seeking whom he may devour. That isn't just personally. He is looking for marriages to devour. Because if he can devour a, a marriage, he can destroy some self-esteem, some, some individuals completely knocking them flat on their face and just say, you know what? you messed up. And he loves to do that. He is looking for opportunities to do that. But as Christians, we are not unaware of his devices, the Bible says. And so we want to esteem. What does esteem mean? It, the noun, I liked the noun and the verb, so I put them both. <laughs> the noun of, of uh, esteem means the regard in which one is held worth value opinion and so yes if we um, hold somebody in high esteem the the verb part of it is to set a high value on and i just thought about that man we have to actively set high 
value on our spouse. I mean, that's just, when we wake up, wow, that is an amazing person. Um, and we have to regard highly and prize accordingly. I mean, that is what we did when we were dating. And so, but it gets a lot harder once, once the ring's on the finger and there's like five years down the road and the kids are in your life and all of a sudden you're trying to take care of kids, you're trying to get food on the table, you're trying to work, you're trying, you're, you know, provide for everything. And then before you know it, it's like, who are you? You know, you, you lose sight of who your spouse is. And so another um, definition of the verb esteem is to view as esteem it as a privilege. I thought that was so good. Esteem it as a privilege to be married, to be married to your spouse. You know, if you were to talk to single people, they're going to tell you they have this desire to get married. If you talk to, I would say most single people have that. If you talk to a married person, they may have a slightly different perspective on that, depending on how marriage is going. <laughs> But it is a privilege. The Bible, God instituted marriage because he said it was not good for man to be alone. I have it somewhere in here. G Genesis 2.18. And you may or may not be able to find it because it's really far down there. Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper com comparable to him. And so if God thinks that marriage is okay, then it's okay. It's supposed to be good. It's supposed to be uh, something that is a positive in our life and not a negative. And so let's look at Hebrews 10, 35 and 36 in the New Living Translation. We esteem God. We esteem, we, we value what his word says. And his word says that marriage is good. And so let's just look at this. Hebrews 10 says, Do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings to you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will then you will receive all that he has promised. You know, again, I, I said this earlier, marriage is something that it either gets better or it gets worse. And if you get married and, you know, day 30, you're thinking, I want to be the close, extremely, extremely close to this person but you only know them so much, you're, that is not going to be the place that you're going to have 10, de, 10 years down the road when they have put up with you for 10 years and stuck with you. You know, they could have, you know, left, but they didn't. That relationship is intended to grow through trials, through tribulations, through different things that you experience together. You are in partnership with one another. And if you look at it as a partnership, as a privilege, as something to be valued, 
you are going to enjoy it so much more. If you look at it as this person is holding me back, he's a scoundrel, he's a pain, he's a pill, you know, it's a lot harder to wake up and want to be around him. <laughs> you know? And I'm just telling you, all of us have those days, you know, it doesn't matter how perfect your spouse is, there are days that they're more of a pill than others. <laughs> you know, there are days that you're like, you're like, wow, I think I should go back to bed. I mean, we all have different things that you're dealing with, but at the same time, the Bible, the word, never changes, and it never fails, and it's always the same, and he is there to help you. He is our helper. We have a helper to help us value and to esteem and to consider it a privilege to be married. Let's look at um, Psalm 119, 128, um, the Amplified Classic. It says, therefore I esteem all right, or as right all, yes, all your precepts. I hate every false way. Now let's look at that in the New Living tra uh, Translation. Each of your commandments is right. That is why I hate every false way. What I, what I wanted to emphasize on that, though, is everything that God says, every commandment, every thought that he puts out there is right. It doesn't matter how we feel about it. That doesn't change what his commandment is. That doesn't take away from uh, what he is saying because we may not be experiencing things the way that he intended for us to experience them. And sometimes it's just easy, I feel like, when it comes to marriage, you know, just being around and seeing things, marriage is something that if it begins to go sour, emotions get very highly involved in it. Feelings get hurt. Things begin to, uh, it doesn't feel good anymore. And we have to be careful on that because then what we begin to do is we begin to put those feelings and those um, hurts above what the word is saying about what marriage is supposed to be. And, you know, I, I say that very gently because I understand that some people experience maybe a relationship where both people are not working together to walk in love with each other. And doing things God's way is so much better when two people are working at it than when just one person is working at it. But I don't think that God is unfair. Even if there is only one person working at it, there has to be a way that he can still help there. He, he did not give you a life to make it where you're just going to have it so much harder than everybody else. He, he, values, he values you. He values that marriage. And he is there to help you through that and to turn things around for your good. There's something in here. When you... Um, 
when you begin to value your, sp your spouse, you are actually walking in love with that spouse. So even if they are a pill at different times or if they're hard to deal with at different times, to begin to focus in on what it was that you liked about them to begin with. Focus in on the strengths and the value that they bring to a relationship allows God to uh, shine his love through you to them. And God's love never fails. That is in the scripture. It says it will never fail. He will help you. He will, uh, it's, he will honor you. It says the Bible says that he will honor those that honor him. And so if you are honoring him by choosing to value your spouse despite what your spouse is doing, then he can get in there and work on your behalf and help you. The Bible says, um, let's just look at it. Um, says in Galatians 6, 9, that let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Again, I'm saying it's challenging when things begin to get hard to want to stick with things the way that God says to do them. It's, it's not easy when things begin to get rough and rocky. It's easy to start looking Again, focusing on those weaknesses. If someone was focusing on your weaknesses all the time, you wouldn't want to be around that person. It's just not fun to be around somebody that can find everything that's wrong about you. That is amplified when you're married to that person <laughs> and you can't escape them. If all they do is find the weaknesses about you, you want to run and build up walls and all that kind of stuff. But it also goes the other way. If all we find is the weaknesses and focus in on the weaknesses of that person, they just want to run. And then you start getting in this battle of who can find the most weaknesses in the other person. <laughs> and that is not a good game. <laughs> that is not positive because there is only negative that comes out of that game. Because guess what? We all have weaknesses and we all have things but for the grace of God you know and he wants to help us out you know there's a couple things of funny quotes that I found just to kind of lighten things up a little bit and so I think this would be a really good time right now so <laughs> says never criticize your spouse's faults if it weren't for them your mate might not or might have found someone better than you. <laughs> so because of their faults. Here's another one that I really liked too. It says, husbands, don't criticize your wife's judgment. Always remember who she chose to marry. <laughs> she had good judgment at one time. <laughs> so let's look at um, Ephesians 5, 22. Through 33. This is what the word says about marriage. If God says that something is possible, if God shows us what marriage should look like, if he says love never fails, 
all those things are truths. And it, it goes beyond how we feel at that time or, or if we're in the middle of something. So let's look at this. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. That's one of those scriptures that, you know, is real easy to skip. You know, it's just, all right, that, okay, now we're done with that. Let's keep going. For the husband is the head of the wife. Oh, it keeps going. And as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Okay, we're done now with the wife part. Let's go focus on the husband, all right? Husbands, <laughs> love your wives, just as, Christ who also, or just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Boy, guys, he is just piling it on for you. <laughs> we got three verses and you have so much more. <laughs> just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning the church, or concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You know, there have been so many uh, abuses of that scripture, which is why women, you know, hate the word submit, because they've been thrown over their head, like you submit, you submit, you submit, but yet that's, the husband wasn't necessarily loving Christ, or loving the wife like Christ loves the church. So it makes it a lot harder to submit when one isn't loved. But both the Bible does say, though, that he will help us. He is our helper. He makes it so that, you know, we're, we're, we're unto Christ first. And then there is things that are just to help us, to help marriage go well. You know, men, if they could make it on their own without a wife, you know, uh, then God was wrong. He said that you are supposed to enjoy. You're supposed to have a helper, a partnership, somebody that you are working with. You know, your spouse brings so much to the marriage. It's so easy to think uh, and, and just say, okay, this is what my spouse gets to do, and then this is what I get to do. And that's not how that works. It's a partnership. You are making decisions together because guess what? The wife is in the same boat. The husband is in the same boat. So, yes, we get to go and choose and, and decide uh, where things are going, but if, if the husband decides to just make a choice without getting the wife's input, that is very difficult for the wife because you know what? She has to go where 
where he's leading. And so you want to get both team members on the same page. You want to have a marriage where both opinions are valued. But there, are, there comes a time sometimes when uh, there, you know, all the facts are laid out on the table and, and then a decision has to be made and that's where the wife has to say, okay, I'm gonna trust that you are going to decide. You know my thoughts, you know my feelings on this and I'm gonna be okay with the decision that's made and we're gonna go forward. And that requires an act of faith on the wife's part to be able to trust that God can help them make that, help their spouse make that right decision and, and to go forward. And, and, uh, but God is faithful. He's so faithful. He will honor his word. And as we allow him, as we honor his word and we step into, uh, into obedience of what he's doing, it allows him to work on our behalf. So husbands, as you are loving your wife, it allows the wife to submit a lot easier. Women, as we honor and esteem and value our husbands, it makes it so much easier for him to lead and to love you back as well. It's kind of this thing that can go back and forth. But even if one isn't doing it, if the other one is endeavoring, we cannot make our spouse do their part. We just cannot make it. It's not doable. You cannot make somebody else do something. But you can do the part that you have, in, that you have control over. And that's, you know, a lot of times when I talk um, with women, you know, it's just easy to focus on what the, the husband is doing. But when I'm just talking with a woman, with another lady, I, we can't do anything about what the man is doing. At that point, the only thing that I can say is, hey, this is what the word says about what we can do, what we can change, what we have the ability to control. And then at that point, then we have to pray. You have to pray and believe that God, God, I am honoring your word. I'm submitting myself to you. You said in your word that uh, that if I honor you, you will honor me. So I am honoring you. So I'm expecting for your help in this situation. And we can both do that. Men can do that. Women can do that. And, and believe that, uh, that he is able to help us. If we can forgive our spouse, you know, for the hurts and the different things that they do wrong that have hurt us. If we can walk in love and forgive, love covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't mean that you just keep letting them walk all over you, but at the same time, it means that you don't hold it and remember the last 22 years worth of, you know, hurts that have happened, Because and then remind them of it every time that they do something. Well, you, you know, you, you aren't a very nice person. And, you know, and they're going to say, well, you're not a very nice person. And then you know where that leads. And it just doesn't get anywhere. <laughs> but as we endeavor to walk in love and to forgive and to go on, uh, 
God will honor that. There's this, there's another, I, I found some really fun quotes on marriage, so I'm going to just tell you, I have no idea who some of these people are, but I liked their quotes so much. <laughs> there's this one that says, a successful marriage requires falling in love many times, always with the same person. I thought that was so great. <laughs> you get one chance to fall in love with this person, and then you have to do it continually. It's It's work. It's a lot of work, and it's not easy, but it can be done, and you have a helper. God is there to help you. And it said, there was another one that I really liked uh, by Ruth Bell Graham. A good marriage is the union of two forgivers. Sometimes it's really easy to look at other marriages and think they are so lucky. They, did, they just did right. They went and married the right person, and they are so lucky. But you know what? All of us can have a marriage that is on its way to producing the 30, the 60, and the 100-fold. Even if we're the only ones sometimes working on that, he will honor that and help. And, and a lot of it is forgiving. It's just forgiving, saying, you know what? You hurt my feelings. Half the time when our feelings get hurt, the, the other person didn't even really mean it the way that we took it. Or they said it because they were mad because we said something or, you know, it goes back and forth, back and forth. And sometimes things are said. And if you were to sit down and after everything has settled down and say, did you really mean that about me? And they'd be like, no, I was just mad. <laughs> you know? Just like you didn't mean the stuff that you said about them because you were mad. And so we have to keep that into consideration when we're talking and when we're, we're doing things. Uh, you know, Martin Luther said, let the wife make the husband glad to come home and let him make her sorry to see him leave. You know, I just thought that was really, really good. It's work. It takes effort. It takes energy to make your marriage worth it but if you will put that into the relationship you will have something of value of worth of you know when you know when you're single a lot of times when when we're single you have this list of well i want this person to be like this and then like this and and i want them to have this and i want them to be you know really good looking and i want this and i want that and the list just goes on and on of all the wants that you have but the bible tells us that we are also givers it's not just about what we want it's what are we going to bring to that relationship what are we going to offer that person because if you're going into marriage what is this person going to do for me you are going to be sorely disappointed very much left out let down because that person is not going to meet your expectations because i guarantee you you will have help to find out how they don't meet your expectations you know, the devil will be right there to say, you, this is what you wanted, and this is not what you got. <laughs> and I'll just keep going through the list. Yeah, oh, look, fall short, fall short, fall short, fall short. <laughs> just the keeps going down. But if you're going into it as, I want to be a blessing to someone. I want to be somebody that 
uh, makes their day brighter, that makes their life better. You're going into it. If, if you have two people going into a relationship like that, that marriage is bound for success. But if you have it like, I really have this need, I really need to be married, I really need to be loved, that need is going to be one of those things that will uh, end up being unfulfilled and unmet. And so the Bible says that it's better to give than to receive, because you know what happens? If we're just looking to receive, 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 it becomes all about us. But as we begin to give and to pour out and to show, it's amazing how we will end up receiving. It's just a law of God. It, it seems so opposite of what the world says. The world says if you, if you go after something, you do something, and you know it's, it's all what's in it for me. I'm going to do this because then I'm going to get the better job. I'm going to get the promotion. I'm going to get this. But God says that if you go after it to be a blessing, to give, to be... Um, to, like I said, to, to build someone up, edify them, then it comes back. If you can look at it even in your friendships, what are the type of friends that you really want to be around? The ones that are just constantly telling you what their problems are and just want you to listen and just want you to just, you know, hear all about that? Or do you really enjoy the people that are like, hey, so how are you doing? And they're concerned about you and not just, you know, they may still tell you about their day and some of the difficulties that they're facing and all that, but they are genuinely interested in you too. Have you ever had that friend that just never ever asks you about you? All they do is just tell you about them. And you can be on the phone for 40 minutes and not get one word in edgewise, you know? That is a person that is only taking, taking, taking. And guess what? That person will remain miserable. And it's, it's sad, but that's how that works. They will remain miserable. But as people begin to get beyond just the taking, but like, hey, I am interested in you. That's what love is. That's what love is. Love, let's just, we'll close with this. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, of course, it's such a good chapter, but I like it in the Amplified. I don't know if you have the, the Amplified. Um, this feel like it explains this so well. Was it easy to find the Amplified? Perfect. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Now, if you think about that, not just what your spouse is doing to you, but what you are doing towards your spouse. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily, is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride, is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. That 
right there is huge. It's not, love is not focused on me. Love is focused on the other person. Uh, it does not, it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. And let me tell you, there are days and there are opportunities that this is extremely difficult. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. You know, some of the stories that I have heard over the years, I'm just telling you, this would be a very difficult scripture to do. Not to pay attention to all the suffered wrongs, to all the evil done. I mean, there are some marriages and some things that you hear about and you're just like, Lord, that would be difficult. That would be really, really hard. So we don't take that lightly. We don't throw this out as just, you know, this is just so easy. Woohoo! But on the other hand, that we do have a helper. And he said that his burden is easy. It does not seem, sometimes you're like, how in the world is that easy? How in the world is that light? That is not light. That is hard. <laughs> but he is our helper. And you know, in the beginning, I think a lot of times things are a lot harder than after you've been practicing it for a while. In the beginning, when you're mad at someone, it is so hard to see the good in them. All you see is that they're a pain. That's the way it works. And your mind focuses on that, and you have a devil to go and explain how big of a pain they are. <laughs> Just keeps going and going like that. But as we focus on him and on what he says, his love is in us. It's available to us. It will change that situation because he honors us. If we are honoring him, if we are choosing to walk in love that he has put in us, it is powerful. And the Bible says it never, never, never fails. And so there are just times when, you know, I see things and I, I'm like, Lord, I would think this is just way too hard. It's too far gone. It's too lost. And if there is abuse and things like that involved, you want to get yourself safe. I, I can completely agree on that. But I still think that God is for marriage. He's for marriages. He wants things to work out. He, he would rather have the marriage than the divorce, if at all possible. And so he gives us his love inside of us that chooses not, uh, it does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth reveal. It bears up, verse 7, it bears up under anything and everything that comes is ever ready to believe the best of every person. And, and again, this, in certain situations, especially when you're starting, this is not easy to believe the best about somebody, especially when you're hurt and they've hurt you a lot. And to bear up under anything and everything, that sometimes that is not easy at all. But it's hopes are fadeless. Can you imagine? I mean, 
God says that your hope is fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. I, I mean, I'm just telling you, you've got God in you. That love is so perfect, and it's on the inside. And we are learning and endeavoring to walk in it. And you know, spouses, we don't look at each other and say, I hope you learned something tonight. <laughs> because it, it's something that, you know, like, okay, we heard the same message. I could say the same thing. I hope you learned something. You know, it's not, it isn't like that. It's one of those things that we are endeavoring to walk in love and endure and, and put up with the other person's weakness because you know what? When you got their weakness, you also had their strength. And most of the time, their strengths are what your weaknesses are. And that's how you got together to begin with. And so you need that person just like they need you. You need their strength just like they need your strength. You don't need their weakness, but you got it. It came with the package. And so this is why it says that we endure everything. <laughs> it's not fun. Without weakening, because love never fails. Can you believe that? It never fails. We have God's word on that. If we choose to walk in love, it absolutely never fails. And you can be thinking to yourself, I don't know how it won't fail because you just don't know my situation. And that's when you say, with, with God, all things are possible. With man, it's not possible, but with God, all things are possible. He can honor his word, <laughs> even in the midst of the most un impossible situation. You know, it was, I always say this, it was impossible to walk on water. But Peter did it. And then when he started looking at the circumstances, he fell. And he had to call out to God who helped him, to Jesus. Jesus helped him, got him out of the water. You can do miraculous things when you are doing it with God. And when he's telling you you can do it, you can do it. You can overcome. You can win. You can walk in love. You can have a strong marriage. You can enjoy life. It's not just for somebody else. It's not, it's not for somebody else. It's for every single one of us. And as we honor him, he will honor us. He will turn things around. He will work things out for our good because we are trusting him in the face of adversity. And then he is telling you he, he's going to help you. That it's light. His burden is light. It doesn't feel light sometimes, but it is light. And as you step out in faith to believe and to act on his word, he's got your back. And he's right there to perform his word. You don't have to make your spouse change. That's his job. You did not marry a scoundrel, just so you know. C.S. Lewis said, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. 
you know, that person has potential and things in them that God wants to use. And, you know, sometimes it just takes somebody to believe in them. And if you're married, that's you. You're the one that's believing in them. And, and even if they're, you know, sometimes as people get older, they get grumpier. So sometimes they get happier. Sometimes they get grumpier. <laughs> so if you got one of those that got grumpier, you know, you just have to keep trusting that God is who he said he is and he will do what he said he will do and he will help you through it. And I just, I really do not say that lightly because our emotions and things are involved. So I'm not saying that lightweight and just, you know, like, okay, now tomorrow everything's going to be rosy. <laughs> it's a process. It's something that we work. It's something that we walk through. But he helps us walk through and he's already put the love in us he's already given us everything that we need to be successful we just are yielding to him and allowing him and esteeming his word in that area and and believing that if he said it's possible it is possible and then in turn we esteem our spouse and quit looking at all their negative and just say, it can be done. I can have a fantastic marriage, just like when I look at so-and-so, they look like they have a fantastic marriage. I can have that. It's work. It's a lot of work. And it was, it was a lot of work for so-and-so, too. It was work for them, too. You didn't see the behind the scenes. You didn't see the choices that they made all along the way to get to that point. It was work. But, praise God, his burden is easy. His yoke is light. So he's going to help us while we do what he told us to do.